It is a technological world. And our buddy Blaine Kylo is here. He is the master of the video game puppeteers for sure. Blaine, welcome back to The Shift. Thank you. It's always nice to be here. Yes, sir. Uh, getting started in this uh, pre-Christmas officially now, as the uh, full-on sales pitch does begin, uh, should we get started with some video game stuff here and um, your first uh, game that you've got to, to share with us? Yeah, I think Jonathan's got a clip. I think we just start there. The killer left the heart next to the body. This wasn't some random act of violence. This was a ritual. A page of text written with a typewriter. Someone's been watching us. How do you run from an idea? From a story that lives in your head? I need to escape this nightmare. More novels are coming to uh, the form of video games. A live in your novel, if you will. And I have questions about that. Might be a little philosophical, but first, tell us about Alan Wake 2. Well, this is a follow-up to Remedy Entertainment's 2010 game, an Xbox exclusive, which introduced the titular character and the whole notion of the dark place, which is where Alan Wake currently resides. When you start Alan Wake 2... 13 years has passed, and you actually start in the role of Saga Anderson, an FBI agent who is in the Pacific Northwest in a town called Bright Falls investigating a series of ritualistic murders. And if you're catching drifts of Twin Peaks influences, that's quite intentional. The creative director at Remedy, Sam Lake, has said that this place in this series of games was directly inspired by Twin Peaks. But what you discover in Alan Wake 2 is that there are lots of other influences as well, because over the years, Remedy Entertainment has made a few other games, including Control and including another game called Quantum Break. And it seems as though all of these games exist in the same kind of world, but never before has Remedy been able to really crystallize this cosmic horror world as they do in Alan Wake 2. This game is part survival horror, part narrative experiment, and all kinds of interesting. It is scary. It is hilarious. There's a musical segment in it. You play different characters. You are in different worlds at all the same time. And somehow... This sprawling, crazy narrative makes sense, it holds together, and really develops this universe that Remedy has created. In Alan Wake 2 is, I, I know that I've said this about a few games this year, but Alan Wake 2 is unlike anything that we've played before. It is an achievement in narrative and in gameplay and this might be the best thing that I've touched this year. Do you ever worry? Because video games are so enveloping that, you know, movies, there's that, you know, in theater, the proscenium, right? There's that wall. Books, there's a bit of a wall. Video games, you're in it 
Is it worrisome where the fiction crosses over into reality? And I don't mean one of those silly arguments about guns and video games. I just mean about some of the history pieces, some of the inspiration pieces that are getting mixed into these things. Is that concerning that it might blur the lines of what is actual history versus what is fiction because it's so prominent in what people experience? I don't think that that is unique to video games. I think that our social uh, media world and our media world in general blurs those lines so dramatically that I don't think that that is unique to video games. It's interesting that you mention that, though, because that breaking the third wall and the blending of reality and fiction and what's real and what's not is at the core of Alan Wake. Alan Wake is an author. Alan Wake discovers in the first game that the pages that he's writing in this book are actually coming to life. He is actually writing reality. That that theme carries through into Alan Wake 2, and it becomes even more complicated and meta when you realize that Alan is writing Saga's story, and Saga's story is unlike what she thinks it is, and also what Alan Wake thinks it is. There are so many levels of understanding and reality here, and it's just a fascinating thing to explore. And Sam Lake and the Remedy team do it better than anybody. I take that from the documentaries that are coming out on Netflix. We've had a lot of conversations about those, and people see one documentary, and they tend to assume that's the only perspective or take it as fact or truth. When in a lot of cases, they're very agenda driven. And I'm curious about where this goes with video games, because, you know, we all get sucked into watching a documentary and, oh, my God, did you see this? Can you believe they did that? And we don't really do any research to search for the facts around it. And video games are just so three dimensional in people's experience of it. I'm curious as what that's going to look like a few years down the road, because, you know, humans get sucked in. I've been sucked in. I've seen a documentary before and believed it was the only perspective that was out there. Right. So. It's interesting, but what a great way to relay information if it's done responsibly at the same time, you know? It is at its very core propaganda. Yeah, 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 and propaganda is a big word. My God, we're going to dig into that later this week, by the way. Blaine Kylo's here, solocore.com. Meditative, is it usant, usant, jusant, jusant. It's meditation puzzles. (laughs) This is a French word. It's chusant, and it the French word actually refers to a receding tide. And this meditating, char- meditative, charming game, Jusant, is exactly the world that you step into because you're this young explorer and this world is dry and desert-like, but it's filled with the remnants of marine culture. There are chunks of boats around, anchors, remnants of sail, and so there used to be water here. And it's all gone now. And you're faced with a pillar of stone. And the obvious thing to do when you're faced with a pillar of stone is to climb it. And that's what Jusant is. It is a game in which you climb. And my climbing son played this and said that it was actually more accurate to the climbing experience than he thought. You tether to the rock. You move your hands to climb up. You have to find anchor points. You have to create anchor points and you're going up all the time and exploring the hollows, the nooks, and the crannies that are in the stone where people used to live, and you're discovering that culture and that history and the stories of those people as you go up and as you explore what actually happened here. 
Next on the list is Catan. What do you got there? Talked about this before. Catan, the amazing board game, was developed into a console game. Well, next week it's coming to the Nintendo Switch, and it's cross-play enabled, so you can play online against players from any system. And starting Thursday this week, you can get the Super Deluxe Edition at a discount, which includes an expansion called Helpers and boards that were used in the World Championships. So just another opportunity to play Catan anywhere you want when you play it on the Nintendo Switch. Blaine, Kylo, it's some gift ideas, of course, not necessarily all digital forms. Some come in a very tactile, technical form. A couple of days ago, Apple announced some upgrades, which were much speculated. I mean, the old secrets and surprises from Apple are long gone, it seems. Uh, but not as much a whole lot of fanfare, unless you're into spending a bunch of money. A pretty cool horsepower, though, if you're a computer nerd. Yeah, the new M3 chips have been announced, the M3, M3 Pro, and M3 Max. These are, I mean, these are pretty powerful computers. And it's really interesting because the new chipsets in the MacBook Pros and the new iMac kind of replaced the existing MacBook Pros and iMac, and the pricing is about the same, but you're getting a better chipset in them. So you've got a 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros. You've got a 24-inch iMac. Um, with variable uh, GPUs in them. Uh, the 14-inch MacBook Pro starts at $2,000. The 16-inch starts at $3,300. Oof. But these are high-powered machines. You can actually do serious video editing on the 16-inch M3 Pro MacBook. Um, and what really makes me excited, like I'm totally buying myself a Christmas present this year because... The space black, the new color for these aluminum chassis on these uh, MacBook Pros is just absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. It is this sort of matte black, and I just drool. I want one. Well, don't drool on it. That's not good. They're not waterproof. They're more waterproof than you think. They clean nicely. (laughs) I don't know if drool counts, man. Um, so, yeah, a whole bunch of new MacBook Pro laptops yeah. coming from Apple with the M3 chips. Cool stuff. That's expensive, though, $3,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah, the one I want is closer to five, but it's also, it's going to be, you know, that computer will last me for six, seven years. That's yeah. a thousand bucks a year. I get that. In all fairness, though, this new operating system from, from Apple um, expires 2009 and older. So it's only been four years. And if you have a, a Mac that's four years, the new operating system can't run on it, right? So... We used to be able to get 10 years out of them. I just, I feel doubtful. I don't want to be, you know, negative about it. But, I mean, I do have a new, uh, you know, Mac here, too, in the house. But, I mean, it was only four years old. And they've the, the operating system can't update. That's that's expensive endeavor. Um, Blaine Kylo, solocore.com. Follow along. You can reach out on uh, Facebook and so much more and uh, jump in the conversation, too. We will catch you next week, sir. Happy November. Happy November.